You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. I'm on size nothing and back full talk. All I are badges and their protest wall. Ladies and ginger beans, welcome back to Stand Up Free Speech New York Labs. We are here in the Upper West Side at the Stand Up New York Club. The show is called Free Speech. We're here with the melt-in-your-mouth gorgeous Pat Marnell. She's moving today and stopped moving uh, in Chinatown? From Tribeca to Chinatown. Okay, she's, she's going all the way down to Chinatown. And she stopped and came to the top of the island just to do this. Well, it should be said, of course, that I did this today because I was so guilty about standing you up, sleeping through the last appointment we had to do this because I was up all night binging on spaghetti. <laughs> I mean, that's true because I'm off Adderall and everything. And so okay, my, you gotta talk oh, I'm sorry. Mic. Sorry. Um, I'm off Adderall. And so, you know, it's, it makes you it's eat very when natural. You it makes you eat like crazy. But I mean, I've been, I'm working on that. Sorry. I have so much stuff in my pockets. So I don't usually dress like this. It's just hard for me to believe that you were up all night eating spaghetti and then just dead to the world. Do you know why it was spaghetti? Because why? I had nothing else. Because I'm, no, I'm not allowed to keep food in my house. Why? So, because I'm crazy. And so, <laughs> what and then crazy I couldn't people do sleep. with food? Throw I it at sleep. people at the window? <laughs> and then I just like, I was like, I cooked the spaghetti at like six in the morning to spike my blood sugar and then to make it crash and then I could sleep. Oh. Why would you have trouble sleeping if you're not doing any kind of pills or anything? I don't know. I guess it's just one of God's little mysteries. Because <laughs> sometimes when people say they don't do drugs, they not, they're not including drugs they were prescribed. Well, my thing, I talk about the drugs I have a problem with. I'm not sober, but ah. I'm like on Ritalin, which is, I think, like the equivalent of methadone to heroin, to the Adderall, you know? Yeah, I really I don't abuse Ritalin. it. I fucking hate it too, but I just take a little bit or else I'm loopy and i take now ambien right but um why didn't you take ambien at a reasonable hour like at 11 p.m i know i don't know well I maybe i'm not a reasonable person i haven't gotten it together <laughs> like you have in your suit you know maybe i'll be here in a few years yeah you could wear when a i sell suit. my media empire my share <laughs> in cat <laughs> marnell industries uh but uh Maybe it's because you worked your ass off on your book and it's finally done. Well, it is. Well, it's in edits. And I don't even know what that means. I haven't gotten them back. But yeah, I did work my fucking ass off. It took, but I didn't start it till the day it was due because I was too fucked up right. for a full year. Right. It was like horrible. So it's pretty it brutal writing a book. It's brutal. I love your book. Thank you. Speaking of which, free speech in the book, who told, you know, that story about Ryan McGinley? I heard. There's a different ending. No, Ryan McGinnis. No, Ryan McGinley. Ryan McGinley. Okay. I heard that the real story of that is that after you got in that big fight with him, you passed out, and then he gave you oral sex. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was yeah. wondering, did, did the publisher make you take it out, or bird, or was that just your No, decision? that's a total myth. Oh, it's a myth? Yeah, yeah. At the end of it, Kid America held up our arms and said, the champions. Who told you that version of it? Um... My boyfriend, Mike Mint, told me that, and he heard it from someone else. Yeah. What? Is that is that a bad rumor? I thought it was pretty No, I, I mean, I wouldn't carry it away. Uh, I, mean, I didn't think you would. Th there was some nut bar. I'm not going to name his name because these stalkers love attention, but he said, I have a picture of you getting your dick sucked when you're passed out, uh, and uh, you better pay me some money, or I'm going to send it to the world. And I'm like, 
A, a that's like send it to the world. On brand for B, you. <laughs> it doesn't exist. C, if you're going to blackmail someone, own the thing that yeah. you're saying you own. But I, all I can think is that's an amalgam of stories where ear snot that would uh, put coke on his dick. Right. And it was a nice contrast from mm-hmm. his black moulignon yeah. to the white yeah, coke. Well, of course. And then I think Ryan snorted it and Dash would take Polaroids. There's a Polaroid exist of that. Maybe that's something. And you got put into the mill. Or maybe I was passed out at a separate party and Ryan put my dick in his mouth or something when I was passed out. I don't, I don't know if that was true, but that was just hijinks. Oh, so it wasn't cut from the book. No, oh, nothing was cut from the book. Um, I really loved the book. I read it on my vacation, as you know. Yes. The Death of Cool. Well, let's focus on your book. I, we have the same literary agent. Bird Level. Weirdest name ever. Well, he's a level from Charlottesville. His father is my grandmother's proctologist. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's all from the same area. Being a level, she's like, your agent is a level. You know, it's a big thing. Oh, really? And my grandmother's name is Carol Bird. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Is that a secret? I never even knew how rich he was. He's one of the <laughs> only guys who can wear cowboy boots. Tall guys from the South can wear cowboy boots. Yeah. Um, our agent also represents Weird Al Yankovic. Yes. And the agency represents Lindsay Lohan. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. She's been Well, he says your book is incredible. Oh, okay. And he said it's going to blow up. I hope so. And he's not doesn't bandy around compliments. In fact, I think he contacted me totally out of the blue and said, you're going to shit yourself when you see Kat Marnell's book. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's so good. And there's already a huge market for young girls. If in... People that aren't in publishing don't realize that everything centers around young girls in publishing. Even if you're doing a book for old men who make toast, that book will be bought mostly by daughters for their dad. Right. Women buy books. Yeah, women buy books. I mean, I always, I want everyone to just use their one-click order button. That's what I did. Especially until I was like 25. I was like, I was to my parents. I was like, if it's a book, I'm like, I can allow to charge it in your credit card. I was really spoiled. <laughs> right. <laughs> I disagree. But uh, I, I think that the, the reason you got such a, are we allowed to say you advanced? The internet says 500 yeah. grand. It was around that. And that's the, that's like people will get mad, especially Jezebel snarky feminists who think you got it just because yeah. you're rich. But that's what the free market says. Like these companies have to make their money back. Yo, there's so much fucking money in this town. I, I'm moving out of Tribeca now because I, of course, blew all, you know, I did that whole, you know, I was very extravagant, let's put it that way, when I got my money. How do you blow that much money without buying something substantial? Um, I did buy, I bought a $4,000 pillow by Bridger Berlin, you know, Andy Warhol, I'm a New York Post and board. I bought, I bought a whole bunch of things. I was on a fucking different planet, dude. I plowed through that stuff in a year without even writing one more. I had, I was crazy. <laughs> I didn't, I mean, I didn't, but of course I only got, you know, I got like one, uh, I got like a, whatever. I don't give a fuck. I'll talk about money. I got 170000 up front and I spent it all in a year on like, Furniture, you know, the mid-century modern. I had never been able to just spend a ton of money before. Oh, right. So like you get in one lump sum. Yeah, I got this wildly expensive apartment, which I'm now moving out of. And but anyway, what was they talking about? (laughs) 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 Oh yeah, there's. And I do feel guilty, and I get it. And I do think I got all that a lot. Like I do pay attention to when people are like the white. That's you get from Jezebel in the comments. Like the white, she's like white girl privilege, this and that, skinny. Yeah, and uh, I do that did like kind of wake me up. I never even thought about that because I am white and privileged and girl, whatever. But 
there's so much fucking money in this city. Like I was saying, that's what I was saying. You walk around Tribeca and I just look up at these apartments and these like massive things. And I'm like, why shouldn't I have a little fucking piece? You know, like big deal. I got a half a million dollars. That's great. That is a big deal. Oh God, you know, but <laughs> but there's a lot of money to be made if you have a brain. Like I didn't just come out of nowhere. I've been working in the media exactly. since I was 20 years exactly. old in New York City at Condé Nast through this and that. Like, and I've always gone, I've been very particular about whom I work with and what titles I associate myself with. And I've really created a, uh, I have a brain for that. That's my talent. Uh, I mean, my that's my intelligence. Like, I don't know shit about anything else, but media I can do. And so at that point in my career, I better have gotten. I don't like this. I don't like that, that you're uh, you're having to apologize for a company, a huge company like Simon & Schuster, wanting to invest in your business. There's no apologies on this show, okay? Oh, good. You got a huge advance. Your book, according to a fucking literary snob I know, is amazing. And that's the end of it. We don't have to talk about white. And uh, by the way, I don't think you were spoiled. Oh, good. You didn't have a childhood. You didn't have parents. Well, that's, I mean, I had emotionally absent parents. Right. And the only thing that matters with wealth, now that I have money, I realize, is family and kids and love. Well, it's really true because kids can't contextualize anything when you're younger. When you're like a little kid, you can't be like, oh, I shouldn't be unhappy because I have so much. You know, you don't you can see that in retrospect. Now it's like I don't like give a fuck. I don't think about my childhood and stuff. But yeah, well, you're either a happy kid or you're not. And you had nannies as a kid. mostly. I did. And I, I had I bet- a lot of lice. I mean, all kids have lice, but I'm saying the kind of lice that was like years and years of just not being treated like my mom just like just. You know, it was that kind of thing, you know, and it was very distance. Well, the richer you, know, like you get, the less love you get, I've noticed. You I, really I, think? I, yeah. well, how about you? Don't you love your kids? I love my kids. <laughs> but I had a I good normal... I see your normal, pancakes on Instagram. I had a normal middle class upbringing. But you, when I talk to super rich girls like that grew up in Manhattan and stuff, they'll say, I would be sick for three days and I would come downstairs to breakfast and my parents would go, where have you been? Honest, yeah. It's like, I've been super sick, mom. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded yeah. a hug. What kind of nannies did you have? Were they um, young girls? They were Eastern European up until the time. I guess it was the Berlin Wall fell. I don't really know what the thing But then at some point, they changed to Iowa. And there were these nice kind of like 21-year-old Iowa. And That's then they, the one after another, referred to, you know, I would go in their rooms and take their spin magazines and stuff. Oh, right. Okay, well, at least that was fun. Yeah, it was okay. Because the the Eastern European ones and and the the third world ones, I find, just walk around like security guards. And I just see these kids, youths, being flushed down the toilet. Well, I don't know if their youths are being flushed down the toilet, but it's definitely, you know, a little... It's like if you go to an Eastern European facialist, they're just like, like, you know, they're really rough on (laughs) you. And they want to just, like, purge you of all your... And you go to the American ones, and it's like, "Mm," you know, it's sort of a difference. Sorry, I'm sure. Um... What's the matter? You want to make a call? Well, no, I just want to make sure my ringer is off. <laughs> anyway. Let's, can we talk about your book? It's of all, course. Is it all over the place? Is there linear? I hear there's a chapter that's rhyming. Oh, well, that was... Uh, I, that is not happening anymore. Okay. Um, that was at a time when I was taking so much Adderall that I could only write in rhyme. Okay. You know, it makes you all fucking jangly. I don't know what that was about. But that's, you know, I had that <laughs> vice column and it, at the, at the last one rhymed. It was so incoherent. And that's when I stopped doing it. I was like, um, but no, it's good. It's a lot of it's a career memoir, especially, you know, it's the real focus of my years at Condé Nast um, in women's magazines. When I was, that's when I really uh, 
became so into you and because Vice was my like and that was when you know you obviously just go and you find Vice at like a record store on Tompkins Square Park and it's free and it's the magazine and it was so wonderful and I was like working in these beauty departments at Glamour, at Teen Vogue, at Lucky, you know, and just sort of, and just using so much drugs and so unhappy. And I would look at Vice and just be like, oh, this is, you know, this is what I should be doing. Like this kind, and so after my whole career, Condé Nast fell apart, which is what the book is about. That's why I sort of sought out Vice, only to find that you weren't there because I hadn't followed it. Right. I hadn't followed it. I actually had been so nuts that I hadn't, you know, that was all the mid 2000s and everything. Yeah, I was tracking it. I'm writing this book on free speech, and I was tracking people getting fired for their jobs for political correctness and all this stuff. And I noticed from 2000, 2005, the cases really plummet. Yeah. Was, PC was big in the 90s, late 90s, and then it plummeted. And then around, you know, 2006, 7, 8, it started getting bad again. And I think it's really bad now. And I, I sometimes I wonder if that's because Vice was out there on the front lines offending the shit out of everyone. It was so good. And handling the trouble for everyone else. All the social justice warriors were busy with us. Um, I noticed your writing around then, too, was what I've always wanted to do, which is treat writing as art. Ah. Like go off at a tangent or do new stuff that other people aren't doing. So many times when people write, especially in sort of pop culture things, they want to be Jack Kerouac. They want to be someone else. And they say, woke up, Kill hung me. over, <laughs> showed up yeah. in the interview late. Luckily, Ghostface was late, too, was a common one. And I would I'd go, just write a letter to your brother and take out the inside jokes. Yeah. Or, or just go, uh, blah, 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 blah. I got a feeling no one even cares about about. Uh, I bet there hasn't even been a murder in Niagara Falls. Hang on, I'm going to look it up. And you type that out. And then you come <laughs> back and go... <laughs> <laughs> just looked it up. I was wrong. There have yeah. been tons of murders. I mean, it's there's so much opportunity to do some weird shit. Even like when yeah. I went to like Exo Jane, Jane Pratt's website, and Jane Pratt's another, you know, is someone I on. You know, she's wonderful and her. But I was like Jane. I would just get so annoyed because this a whole opportunity. We have a website. I'm like, can't we make it look crazy? Like, or can't we do like you know? Can't we have just even like different crazy fo- like you know fonts or yeah, like make it you unpredictable. know clicking and like send people into a hole or like all this weird stuff. And like I'm like, but it just that's just not the way it is. You know, there's just more weird shit. If the internet's going to be out there, it's so big. And that's what you're competing with. It's sort of like writing today for the most part, is, is like we're painters and landscape painting is the only thing you do. That's really interesting. No one's ever considered drawing like uh, a landscape painting with, uh, with Casper the Ghosts in the middle right. of it. Yeah, I would definitely um, agree. Well, and that's what I liked about your writing. Sorry, I'm going to try not thanks. to interrupt you today. I'm, I'm an interrupter. Oh, no, you have to. I just like ramble. But I liked your writing because you, you have all these fashion beauty magazines and you can tell they're not sincere and there's pictures of products and they just say hey truck on down to the store and get yourself some of this keels base foundation yeah well that's like basically what made it go like mind-numbing and i love everything else about beauty and that whole world but it was just like you know like this compact is as smooth as a river stone and, and you know <laughs> just like it just was just like mind-numbing and um and it was really fun to break out of that but with beauty especially you know you can't get a cosmetics contract if you're like a celebrity who's like hot smoking or this and that like it's such a prissy prissy industry run by like the lauders and people like that and it's uh there's really no room for the whole bad girl thing but wait a minute you got hired after writing a letter to the 
to was it an open letter and you said look fuck it i'm a drug addict and then did yeah. you get hired by jane right yeah, after jane that? jane's the one who wanted that well jane just wanted someone uh to write about she she wanted a beauty person and uh, she also mentioned in the first meeting that she wanted someone to write about drugs because she feels like guys only do that. And she, I didn't be like, I'm a drug addict, which I was at that point, of course. I was 28 uh, at that meeting. And addiction, of course, being a progressive disease. <laughs> I was quite firm in my, you know, I'd already lost my other, quit condensing acid and everything because of drugs. And when you say drugs, you're always talking about Adderall, which um, is, for the kids at home is amphetamines. We were a speed addict. Yeah, and of course, I mean, of course, when you're on that, you take so much like Xanax, you take stuff to come down from it, and it's right. that whole vicious cycle of prop me up, slam me down, and then all of a sudden you're just, after years of that, I mean, I was on that stuff since I was started at 15, and then it got just like really bad the time I was like 26, 27, 28. I was in and out of rehabs, mental hospitals, everything. Then I came to work at Exo Jane because I just didn't give a fuck. I was like, I'm never going to be able to go work at Condé Nast again. Anyone who doesn't know, that's, you know, that's like the de in the Devil Wears Prada. That's Vogue, Vanity Fair, this and that. That's what I wanted my whole life. And I completely fucked up. Like, I was, you know, like hallucinating at work, just like so bad, like just, and so after I went, when I lost that, I was like, I'm gonna go work for a fucking blog, which like, you know, everyone <laughs> looks down on the internet at Connie Nass, they do, they yeah. hated it, they hated it, they hated people who left to work for websites, my bosses were just like, it was the lowest of the low, it was going to work for online, and that's when I showed up, I was like, all right, well, I don't give a fuck anymore, because I'm never gonna get hired at a magazine ever again, Did I you love magazines, I do not love the internet. <laughs> I really did your pay change when you went from Condé Nast to, to Jane? I mean, Condé Nast doesn't pay much, but it's like so much perks, you know. I mean, if you're like so exhausted and on drugs, it's fine because for sometimes they like a town car literally picks you up like every day. Like you're so spoiled. It's like the easiest job. But I was making, I mean, I was like 27 and making like $46,000 a year. And then Jane gave me like 65. Huh. And then I demanded more. So you got more eyeballs, more money. But the prestige remains with these magazines. I, well, that magazines are, are what ads. I love. Magazines are like I collect them. It's horrible. Tell us about the culture at these places, because the little I know, I see rich girls uh, speaking in gangster talk. Like what? I'm gonna what? bust. What? I'm gonna bust a, I'm gonna bust a cap in his ass if he doesn't show up with that report on Friday. Wait, <laughs> where is this? This is the Condé Nast, you think? Yeah, fashion industry in general. It's oh, the girls, glamour Because they listen to Notorious B.I.G., so they talk. I mean, they're half joking, but okay. it's like bust a cap in his ass all the I time. I don't know about that. And the then the other thing I noticed. talk like wiggers, but. The other thing I notice is this sort of feigned bitchiness because they want to be like Anna Wintour. So it's almost like this military well, boot camp talk. They are. There's like a great. David Carr said something great about Anna Wintour when he's like, when you've had a bejeweled hammer at your side that's worked well for 25 years, everyone around you looks like a nail. You know, <laughs> I love that shit. And that's the way it is, not just with Anna. Anna's obviously the epitome of that, but with all of, you know, I worked for a director, a beauty director who named Jean Gofford June, she's like my idol, but yeah, she could be a real, look, she had an Hermes whip in her office in this long skinny really? like orange box and I always just think of that like I hated books like The Devil Wears Prada where people complain because it's like when those Condé Nast bitches crack their whips like you should be honored to fucking jump it's hell yeah that you know that's the glamour industry is publicists fashion magazines and you go through it it's like being hazed and then you're in the cult club sorority whatever but do you ever make money like do you, when you get up to beauty well there's beauty the whole editor? thing that's like um 
the whole thing. It's like, Daddy can't afford for me to work at Condé Nast anymore. <laughs> or no, <laughs> Daddy can't afford for me to work at Vogue anymore. It used to be the old joke back in the day. Um, I mean, I started at $24,000 a year, yeah. and I was honored. It's, but <laughs> it's a weird cult of, of military boot camp, wiggerisms, and... and <laughs> yeah, there's so many wiggers, the Condé Nast... <laughs> But, it, but the thing that keeps you going is every time you're like, I'm going to kill myself. This is not worth it. The, some fucking like YSL change purse shows up for you as like a gift. And you're like, oh. It's fashion you know. slavery. They're, these women I have mean. been <laughs> are slaves to this uh, YSL crap. And I remember yeah, my wife worked crap. in. crap. Everything has a logo on it. <laughs> yeah. My wife worked in fashion PR. And I wouldn't see her for fashion week for four days, five days in a row. She'd have to sleep at the office. And it wasn't really for any kind of money. Yeah. It was just like this obsession with the cult of fashion. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm obviously not so much into the fashion. The fashion girls are a whole fucking different breed. That brain is something that you're born into. Like, I don't even know. I mean, it's just they're different people. They really are. When you have that, you're you're just like. They're more f bratty fag hags in the fashion scene than in the magazine scene. I mean, yeah, I mean, the wiggers, the bratty fag hags. But when we, I don't know, can't tell if you're making fun of me for the wiggers. No, so I just not. don't know what you're talking no, about. No, you don't. I guess, you, I mean, you hear like, rich girls saying, I'm serious, I'm going to bust a cap in his ass if he's not here by Friday. They're I not mean, like, how Yo, many what's up? <laughs> I mean, I guess you just heard one rich girl saying this. <laughs> I mean, because it can't no. like, <laughs> Maybe it was fashion then, but it was always. You know, uh, hip hop colloquialisms in a semi sarcastic well, that's the, well, way. Well, they're on the edge of pop culture, and uh, black culture is the coolest now, right? There's no fucking rock and roll anymore. Yeah, young girls. I mean, I would kill to see a fucking rock band. Do you know any? I don't know who to follow around. The Strokes? Yeah, I mean, uh, what happened to them? Are they still around? I go to London to see Baby Shambles, but who knows how long Pete has. My yeah, man. I, I didn't know he was still alive. Well, he is, yeah. Oh, wow. He's doing he's fine. I so, go to the same addiction specialist. You did the fashion thing. You're never going back. It's not going to have me back. Uh, you've done this sort of blogging uh, beauty thing. Yeah. You're done with that. Are you going to become a, a novelist? Um, I will. If I did ever write a novel, it would because, be because... I mean, I have no fucking idea how to write a novel. Do you? Uh, no, I don't like fiction. Neither do I. I would do, if I did, I would do it like super chiclet, trashy, like like some like sexual social climber girl in the art world, you know, like fucking everyone. Like that's what I would do. But I mean, like really trashy girl stuff. But I, you know, I don't know. I'm not trying to write. I'm, I don't read literary stuff. And so I'm not going to try to write it. What about becoming a mom? Oh, yeah, I'm going to become a mom. That's why I've been very, that's, you know, that's definitely my trajectory. And the two aren't mutually exclusive. I mean, you got times during baby naps and times when they go off to school and Yeah, play I mean, groups. I, because I think that I, like, I would be good with that because I never like to really sleep and I like to stay up weird hours and I never get care about being woken up. Well, you I better can't get moving if you want to have well, I know. more than one. But I know. I was thinking like who's 34. This, my boyfriend? Yeah, who's this oh, boy he's, like, he's my best friend. He's he's a graffiti writer, which I know you you love. You know, he writes his little nickname everywhere. Mint. You know, he's cool. He's the best. He's Russian. Grew Is up in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. He's, you know, he's always, he likes, you know, he's half of the Murph. Who's, right, who's Mint and Surf. Mint and Surf. He's Mint. Gotcha. Right. And Murph is the 
pair of them they're together. combined. And they're inseparable. The thing about them is they kind of win the argument because they wrote their annoying nicknames everywhere, but it got to the point where now it's it's blue chip gallery, Mark Jacobs stuff, so it's a business. So who gets the last laugh? Yeah, and they're also really, um, I think the graffiti writers are, you know, I didn't, it's such a weird uh weird thing and I didn't really understand it how everyone that I knew knew each other I didn't even get that these people I was hanging out with for like eight years were all graffiti writers until like after years and years of being with them that all of these little nicknames it didn't even connect and I really just love watching them you know like go out in like a snowstorm and they do that and the cops aren't like this is really like a lot of like magic in that that I think it's very physical and that they're out doing something that's so strange that really no one else does and they're so compulsive about it that it's really hard to hate on. I mean, easy for you. But Can't they just, if you're gonna crawl out to the Brooklyn Bridge, risking your <laughs> life with the water running underneath you, yeah. can't you write Obama debt 18 trillion or something that we don't know I mean, rather than I don't just think that Gav. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Dav. <laughs> Red. Cat. Cat. I, I, know, I mean, I you risk what... your life. And when they go in between subway stops, they keep dying. Some of them have kids, yeah. and you go, Some I don't understand why you kids. died. It's very true. It's very true. It's infuriating. But I mean, you've definitely done a lot of crazy things. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not like my, my life has been <laughs> without stupid <laughs> regrets. And I guess they all paid off in the end the same way it does yeah. for, for Murph. Uh, let's, let's get away from writing your nickname on other people's property right. and get down to your writing process and i don't like doing this a lot because it can sometimes spoil the book but i i find it interesting that you're so open about adderall because i think every writer in new york if he was honest would say adderall gets it out bourbon gives it balls pot makes it funny coffee edits it down to something readable wow it's quite is that i've never heard that before well it's used by some degree by by all of them so hemingway was all about the booze right. and then the coffee but we've improved upon that recipe. Well, the th I mean, everything is like those things are performance enhancing drugs. For me, what I had to do because I did all of that and was so, you know, we're, Bird was, thought he was going to have to give the advance back. Um, they sent me a ghostwriter to my apartment who Whoa. I was too, you know, and I just told was like drug addict jokes, whatever the fuck I was writing. Like I was a mess. And, so would uh, he, you just dictate to the ghostwriter? I tried. And he was there. I just wound up abusing him. Yeah, you can always <laughs> tell those books. Like, I'm very suspicious of John Lydon's new book, uh, Anger is an Energy, because I'm reading it and he says things like anyway. Well, he's, that's John Lydon and Johnny Rotten, right? Yeah. Oh, it's definitely Ghostwriter. It has really? to be. I mean, he did a book called No Blacks, No Irish, No Dogs that was good, but this one is this thick and it just reeks of someone is, it's good, but yeah. it just reeks of a man sitting back with a glass of wine retelling a story to a, a you know a nerd on Adderall <laughs> yeah well I mean what you have to re like what I didn't know is how completely physical uh like writing a book is like yeah. and Leslie Arfin oh, said to me she's it. like dude like before she was like it is like running a marathon when you're a chain smoker and every time you like turn the corner you're not even there you know yes. and you're like oh and that's really how it is you know it is just like I've been in rehab with gamers and they have these like horrifying bodies that are like so weird, like 21 year old kids who, and they crack their neck and it's like 50,000 cracks. And they have this weird slumped over lower back and this kind of belly because they just like eat junk food and game. And I'm telling you, that's what I turned into. It was just this like, you know, this like horrible like thing. And then I'd be so fucking like flatlined afterward. Every night I, I, Mike would come, I would be with my remote control and just be like, 
to the TV, I would just stare at it and be like, what are you doing? I'd be like, I don't know. You know, I was just so burned out. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like someone like Johnny Rotten, like why would he do that to himself? He should just talk and talk. You know, it burns you out. It's so hard and it's the worst. And I would never, <laughs> this may sound really awful. I don't see how anyone can do it for less than half a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I sure do it for less than just half kidding. a million. But the, I think an important part of reading, I mean, uh, writing is reading. So you write out a thousand words. Mm -hmm. And you can read that four times without going insane. And you, I just find it's good to change the font or to, oh, that's a good idea. to change the font size. And you sort of see it with different eyes. Or 24 hours is a great way. Because oh, yeah. you go, wait a minute. Why well, didn't even talk about gypsies? And then you can <laughs> get them in. But a book is 80,000 words. Yeah. So you have to read 80,000 words five times. And you're reading the first, if you start at the beginning, you end up reading the first, you know, 5,000, 10,000 words 60 times. And it's maddening because yeah. you're reading this Bible again and again and again. Yeah, it's off. I mean, I haven't really gotten into edits, but it sounds horrible. Well, luckily that's delegated to someone else. I but, know. But that's not, it's not, it, what's going to be, what you're going to get back is don't understand what you're talking about here. Right. Uh, this, this contradicts earlier. Like with Leslie's book, I edited it. And at the end she goes, I go, so what's the grand conclusion? And she goes... So she writes, she writes out, so after going through it all, the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, whatever works for you, works for you. And we go, Leslie, you can't do that. You just made these people yeah. go through your whole book. You're the expert. You need a yeah. conclusion here. And she's like, fuck, I thought I was done. Right. And she ended up coming up with make mistakes. It's better to regret what you have done than what you haven't done. Yeah. And then that made sense in the context of her mistakes. If there was a moral for your book, which is called, uh, what's it called, How to Murder Your Life? Uh huh. What's the overall information we would glean from all this drug-induced chaos? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, well, you know, I didn't realize how bad it was for me until I had a lot of perspective and... Uh, Gosh, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm bullshitting right now. Um, a lot of it is really about, as a girl who has a drug problem, how vulnerable you are. Um, really fucking predatory people, emotional vampires, you know, uh, nar like, you know, malignant narcissists, like really fucking scary people who want you to stay fucked up, want you to stay weak so they can take advantage of you. It's not that you have vulnerable to like sexual stuff, you know, like I, you know, uh, all that stuff, but also you have to like protect yourself. Um, I mean, that's one, that's one element. Cause I think that, you know, I, these girls, I see them get drunk and they fucking murder. You know, if you're going to be using drugs and, and all of that as a woman, you're in a unique situation. Exactly. Yeah, and New York City. Yeah. Like, that's something I didn't really understand was how much I was being, how men are different than women. That being a girl drug addict, there's a lot you have to fucking look out for because everyone is going to surround you and fuck with you guys well nature has left some clues like women can't hold liquor as well as men and that's oh God. that's mean, seen as a sexist thing but look it up they I'm lack all the proper about, i mean sex differences are here to stay <laughs> like it's crazy all this you know uh i am a big you know i'm a paglia feminist i'm a huge camille paglia fan and you know 
Well, the, the beauty of Paglia is she goes, it's fabulous. you're not as strong as men. <laughs> so when you go to spring break or when you go to this party, a, a lot of you are over-empowered and you think it's feminist to be kick-ass, but what you're actually doing is assuming you're a man and assuming you'll be as fine as right. some 200-pound fucking football player. And also really uh, another thing I like that she says is, is taking uh, – you know, it's all about taking responsibility. It isn't just about that guy that people are there are predators and bad people all around, which there are, but that you put yourself in those situations. Like that's something I definitely came to realize in writing the book. You know, I've, I've had, a, you know, that I've <laughs> had. I don't even know how to say. It. I wouldn't say it was a rape, but one of those surprise sex situations where mm-hmm. I was blacked out and like sleeping at the time. It definitely felt like a rape. This is in the book. It was someone from downtown. You know. Um, and that was a situation that like really rocked me and hurt me for a while until I really came to reconcile that like I had put myself in that situation by like letting these people around me access to my home being drugged all of the time like what what it's it's not it's not you know you have to you have to protect yourself or you have to be aware that and I like that you didn't make it just about rape. It's also no. about negotiating a contract or going into a huge meeting. Like I, I find boxing really helps in business meetings because you're, it gets tense there and you can tell that guy's trying to sabotage your pitch to the client. And you go, oh, I'm going to sabotage him back because what's the worst that can happen? We have a fist fight? Fine. Let's right. have a fist fight. So you're, you've already <laughs> experienced the worst case scenario in, with yeah. your sparring partner. And women have to understand, okay, if I don't have that instinct, if I don't have that upper body strength, I have to develop a different skill so I can survive this meeting because this is, we don't live in an egalitarian society in the sense that men are inherently different than women. So if you want to compete with the big boys, well, it's like joining MMA as a woman. Like you better figure out how to bite balls. I think I honestly have no, and that's why I was briefly at Vice, as I said, when for that column, I mean, and they tried to make me editor at large. I could not be around all those men. I have come up, like when I put my best foot forward in this world, it's as a woman with female bosses, you know, and women's magazines. And it's like, I've never even tried. I don't even know if I, me personally, could bring that energy into, like, it's just not me. But um, I'm, I'm fortunate that I, even sometimes with Bird, I kind of like freak out. And I think that yeah, he's not understanding anything I'm saying because I'm a man. But that's why people like Anna Winter are like so ill because that that is like the, the scariest thing. And you do have to learn to be on that level. But I do think it's when these, it's a specific feminine energy and terrifying Maybe, yeah. energy that's in that world. It seems like the most, the times women are the most successful is when they sort of become men. Like Margaret Thatcher, they I called her disagree. the Iron Maiden. Or Anna Wintour. By the way, when I say success, I mean I mean career-wise, money-wise. Yeah, I know. I, I think four means. kids is success to me. A housewife oh, yeah. with four kids is more successful than Anna Wintour. But Anna Wintour has two wonderful kids and okay. has does what she wants creatively, uh, and is such a, you know, women. I don't know. I think you're being provocative. <laughs> like, no, no. The, the word success. I mean, am I really supposed to argue this? <laughs> Maggie Thatcher, Anna Wintour, Wait, Margaret Barbara Margaret Thatcher, Corcoran. the Iron Lady, first of all, she was taken down. <laughs> I know this from the movie. Wasn't she just like she was given the boot sort of and then she was very miserable? No, she had an incredibly successful prime ministership where she essentially revolutionized Britain. What do you care Britain. about Margaret Thatcher? Because she's free market. She's free speech. She's my cup of tea. But... I'm just noticing 
We're getting off I mean, track is, here. Yeah, I don't even know. I, you think I'm just trying to be provocatively sexist, but I'm saying when I see these I women that are corporate success, they seem to have male traits. Like Anna Wintour, if you closed your eyes, you'd go, oh, that dude was a dick. Same with Maggie Thatcher. No, you Same with lots of people. And I noticed this with Jezebel. They seem to have... They consider themselves like feminism empowered, but they seem to me to sound a lot just like the, these asshole dudes. Almost like, you know when a woman is a dude for Halloween and she'll have on a <laughs> fake mustache <laughs> okay. and a cigar and she'll lean back and she'll go, hey man, look at those tits. Yeah, I'm a dude. Yeah. And she'll have a fedora on. Honestly, I knew this like was going to happen <laughs> when I came here that I was going to get baited into talking shit about people that I need to keep on my side have on your side yeah you're not in that position anymore dude these are those gawker sites make or break someone like me okay well i guess you can't admit to me publicly then that the I've jezebel has things. this really vindictive undertone of vitriol that sounds worse than sexism like when tina fey they had pictures of tina, tina fey, fey when she was i'll take fat, issue with well no and they said would she still be successful if she looked like this if she still looked like this well look jezebel like all those sites put up so much stuff every day that they obviously there's going to be like missed. I mean, there's obviously some things I don't, you know, I'm, I know the energy if I'm friends with her and stuff. Sort but of. you get it too. You get, uh, yeah, she's get a it. rich white girl. She doesn't deserve this. I mean, the, at least in the comments, you seem to have, have, have the com- uh, yeah. placated the writers or Lena Dunham. She, as soon as she well, makes Lena it, instead Dunham of saying thing, one they, of us I mean, made I think it, everyone they're like, look at this fat oh, fucking well, that's, pig. Yeah, it's like the tall, the tall poppy syndrome, right? Yes. Like they, that's yeah, what I'm you knock, about. you knock the head off the tallest one. And I'm fortunate to be in this position. <laughs> you know, you know what I have to say. Like, I'm fortunate to be in a position they're writing about me and they, uh, but in terms of, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of other feminine, at least Jezebel does it the best in terms of for a landing site, other feminist websites, you know, the hen packing, the this and that, the headline that starts like, we need to talk about blank, you know, like I can't stand that on the internet. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of fucking annoying stuff for sure. Well, well maybe in the hallway after you can tell me yeah. in, uh, in private why they're such cunts. And I, I just see it as kind of sad because I, I look at the writers and I think, I know your ovaries are dried up. I know when you're 38. They're all like 25. <laughs> no, they're getting, they're like 30 and up, which is when the hourglass is turned upside down. I know they're, they're going to be lonely. Who do you like? Ann Coulter? Like, who, what's your thing? I mean, I kind of like her too. I'm not Ann Coulter's incredible. I know. <laughs> Michelle Malkin. KT McFarlane we had on the show. I even like Jill Abramson, the executive editor of the New York Times. She had two kids young and she had it all. I mean, so what's your whole thing with having kids? Like, obviously, like, what do you care when people are having kids? I want everyone to be happy. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I definitely want, want to have scared. kids. Well, what was I supposed to My do? Fear with I have you? to get off drugs, and I did. Yes. I've been off of pills for, and I haven't done any PCP. I just do a little alcohol and coke, like, ever, like everyone else in <laughs> like fucking New York. Does. You know, I can still do that, but I haven't taken care of myself. But I couldn't. What was I supposed to do? Have them at 31 when I was smoking PCP with graffiti writers on Avenue C? No, no, you should have got your yayas out by 25, and then by 26. By 25, f- yeah, get real. Well, 14 to 25, you're partying. I don't you understand. You're fucking 25. I, oh, I waited too late. I'm 44 <laughs> with a fucking two-year-old. I get out of bed this yeah, morning at great. seven. You got and all destroyed. your money. You've got your suit. Like, what the fuck did you need all this for? I am. Tr- I, I see all my other friends. All I know, I try regretting. To- waiting who? so long every single person my You're age who are your celebrity friends three. david cross <laughs> well i heard that he's doing well in pitch perfect too oh is he in pitch perfect too i didn't even yeah, know it's that it's like the biggest movie right now wow he never he plays tells the me vocal this coach okay else? david cross i think he, he him and his wife i, I don't want to disparage <laughs> the dude and i hope he doesn't take this the wrong way but i think his life is fucking awesome and he's done everything great and his sort of brand is perfect 
but I wish he had two little nippers running around. Oh, he doesn't have any kids? No. I mean, why don't you worry about your kids? You got the pancakes. Yeah, you're asking me why I care about other people. I don't know. It's a genetic trait. I know. I care about them, too. See? Let's talk more. Let's talk more about things in the media. Okay. Like who? Um. I mean, gosh, I wish I could talk about things. I mean, I could. Well, do it. You only the only people you can't disparage are the people that are going to promote your book. You can shit on celebrities. Oh, celebrities! Oh God, I have so many of them that I want to talk about. You know what I was thinking about on the way over right. here? If you want to change the subject that drastically, um, there's this total lack of empathy when it comes to the paparazzi, and they go, "Well, you chose to be famous. Fuck you." And I don't think people understand the the sort of a, a sad bubble that a lot of these big celebrities have. And I'm not talking about David Cross. I'm talking about <laughs> you know big big celebrities. Yeah. And well, isn't the whole thing that if celebrity, if you uh, if you don't want to be seen, you're not seen. I mean. No, I mean <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen uh, hates the pops, and he is is really adamant about that. And he he's fought for legislation, I believe, to prevent them from shooting kids because they fucking follow kids. Yeah. And he still has to live quarantined. Well, in the UK, they blur out their faces now, yeah? I think they just passed some things in the US. Really? Do you like Harvey Levin? That's my favorite man in media. The TMZ guy who's always sipping a drink? Yeah. I Harvey Levin. I hate him. I hate what paparazzi. You, first of all, everyone, they have a, they don't, they don't stalk and do that. Yes, that they stuff. do. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> there is a whole hierarchy of they. And TMZ, I hear, is the most ethical. But yeah, what, the, yeah. what the lower guys do, they'll hire gangsters, oh, give yeah. them cameras and say, 100 bucks if you can get me a picture. So these guys go out and try to make cars swerve and they'll yeah. go up and say some secret about your fucking wife or they'll go up to your kids and go near your kids. Then they'll get the temper tantrum. I heard uh, an inside scoop story about them doing that and TMZ called the cops on the gangsters, yeah. even though they're in the same industry because these low guys at the bottom were giving the other bad guys yeah. a worse name. Well, what Harvey Levin always says really is like, especially when it's a whole, like the Justin Bieber thing, you know, in the height of that was of really chaotic stuff that it's going to take, that it's someone's going to die. And that's really what it comes down to. Well, like, someone did die. The princess died, died. Yeah, I mean, and that was the that's 90s. That's how she got her nickname, Princess Dead. You ever heard the joke, what's the last thing that went through Princess Diana's head before she died? The, the, steering, the steering wheel? wheel? Yeah. That's, um, what's that's even? cute. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I just feel like the 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 American obsession with celebrity is fucking dark. It's goth. Like I remember well, seeing this picture in one of my <laughs> wife's magazines, and it was Tom Cruise's kid, and she was had her oh, head Surrey, yeah, Surrey, and it said uh, Surrey de- dealing with the di- struggling through the divorce. Like she doesn't know what's going on. I know she's struggling through you taking a picture of her, and all these housewives are sitting at home going, "That poor thing." You just did that. Well, I really think that celebrity gossip and the internet at this point, for me at least, is like another drug. Speaking of like bubbles, like I can get into that. Like literally, like you just anesthetize yourself with this, and like it is so. Like I just spilled water on my laptop recently, and I have been much better ever since because I would That's get into especially with like my eating disorder stuff I would just like go into this zone of just like celebrity gossip so it's just endless 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 reading about everyone you know that and just and like eating junk food and the celebrity gossip was the junk food and then I would just be like oh you know it's really it's not 
it's not healthy. And it ruins the whole fun of movies, too. Justin Thoreau, was, or maybe it was Tom Hanks, was talking about how you read an article about this guy. Oh, yeah, Justin Thoreau was saying about Tom Hanks. So you read an article about Tom Hanks and his new home and his him and his wife are getting along and they went to Palm Springs. And then the next movie you see him, yeah. you're like, oh, he just got married and he's doing well. Like, and he, I was he never makes, some huge Coldplay fan, but like... Chris Martin, I'm just so like sick of reading about him and the Gwyneth and dating Jennifer Lawrence. And now it's like I had a Coldplay song on. I'm not like a huge Coldplay fan, believe me. But I, like I was just like, oh, you know, I can't even listen to him. He's too annoying. Yeah, it ruins it. And when you meet them, it ruins it too. I, I hung out with, uh, I met Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols last night. Oh, really? And it was a weird thing where he's sitting at the bar and there's a bunch of us and so we're talking to people I already know and I obviously have this fantasy of just bonding with Glenn and I guess I'm guilty of the celebrity worship I'm making fun bonding of right now with Glenn. And that's not gonna happen he's not low on friends but as we were having a conversation we would sort of dart over at the elephant in the room and see if there was an opening maybe we should go over now should we say hi yeah and it took until like one or two in the morning and then we went over there and it it was, I don't know you, you don't know me. What are we doing here? You're fucking 20 years older than me or 10 years older than me. And then eventually he just gets up and goes. And I just thought, that was fucking gay. Seem to have that experience with rock stars, if I recall. Wasn't that your Tommy Lee story? Yeah. Comparable. Yeah. These yeah, people that's the other very... thing. So you swing the pendulum the other way and you go, I'm not going to be weird. I'm just going to be a dude. Yeah. And you're like, what's up, fag? Oh, my God. <laughs> and then they've never been spoken to like that. So they just walk away. And then yeah. you go, well, that sucked too. Yeah. Yeah. They've made themselves into freaks. Well, Kat, you're on the cusp of becoming a superstar. You better get used I, to it. I mean, I really I haven't paid my taxes. And so I didn't pay my fucking taxes on this money. Everything that I'm making in the future is all going to the IRS. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the delinquent really, recovery program. I just want to get that done with. I hate, you know... Um, so I hope that would be great if the book sold and everything. Well, you are the perfect demographic. Young girls rule the world. I always say true TV lizard lick towing gets 5 million views. They cannot monetize it. Fucking Lena Dunham probably gets a hundred thousand viewers. She's fucking loaded. You are about to get much richer than a half a million dollar book advance. Really? That would be really awesome. I would like to thank you profusely for taking time out of your moving day. And uh, get back to moving. Get back to lifting those couches. It's really to the magazines. It's the, the magazine <laughs> collection. That's, when do you hire someone? They're 15, 20 uh, bucks an hour. I know. It costs like 300 bucks for I the day. I don't even know how to pack, Matt. I have so... It's, it's my collection. Woman, what are you going to do? Women. Huh? <laughs> Thanks for coming, folks. I like you more than a friend.